Hello and welcome to another episode of Tonal Whiplash. It's a podcast where we ask serious questions and silly questions to a whole variety of different sorts of guests. I'm your host, Laura Kate Dale. I talk about video games on the internet and do a lot of podcasts. And I'm here with a special guest this week. Special guest, who are you? Uh, my name is Mike Rignetta. And what might people know you from on the internet? Uh, a couple YouTube shows. Um, most notably, um, I used to make uh, a show called Know Your Meme. I also made a show called Idea Channel, and I have hosted a couple crash courses. Uh, I also make a podcast called Reasonably Sound. Wonderful. And starting with some of those older projects that you used to do, they were very much projects about sort of ways that people and the internet intersect in various ways. Uh, how, how did you end up getting into that as a sort of career path? Uh, so yeah, it's a little weird. Um, my my path uh, was sort of um, strange. Um, I, I actually, after college, I went to an art school and I moved to New York and started making performance art. And a lot of that performance art was about the internet, um, which is what landed me a job at Know Your Meme. Um, and I did a little bit of writing for them, a little bit of producing. Uh, and after a while, uh, I was lucky enough, you know, they like put me on camera for some things. Um, and I think that that is really where my interest in, uh, technology and culture, um, intersecting and specifically the internet was really kind of born, um, in that couple year period. And like the early, like would have been between maybe 2007 and like 2010 uh that yeah i got really interested in like internet memes um and uh their connection to uh the art world technology culture at large etc etc yeah there was definitely a couple of years where the internet was around then i think trying to figure itself out the the internet didn't quite know how it wanted to express itself so it was, it was a very interesting time to be online during those years uh, yeah definitely um definitely a transitional moment um and one that we are still dealing very much with the fallout of wonderful uh time for a silly question this is one from nout on twitter what is Waluigi's political ideology? <laughs> I, I posit he's an anarchist trying to convince Wario to stop being a dirty anarcho-capitalist. So, I mean, I, like, I will cop to um, knowing very little about Waluigi's uh, backstory, let's say. Uh, I am not by any means a Waluigi scholar. <laughs> but he definitely, he definitely strikes me as just a, like, run-of-the-mill, uh, like, Twitter Republican. Just like angry self-hating um you know i think uh, i think actually even his one of the guys that voices him or the guy that voices him said that he uh is someone who will cheat to win no matter what uh so i mean you know that's that's, that's where that's where i'm coming from I'd, I'd never come across it from that angle but that's actually a really good take on it i i very much approve um <laughs> so do you want to tell us a little bit about the podcast that you now do uh, yeah, Reasonably Sound um, is uh, sort of, as you might guess from uh, from the title, a podcast about audio. Um, it's kind of about like this very particular aspect of human experience, you know, what it is like to um, treat listening as a more primary sense than we tend to, um, and what kinds of things we can learn about the world and about human experience through um, listening and sound and audio uh, so, you know, like to give an example, um, one of the more recent episodes that I did, uh, I went and I talked to a couple of the people who have designed the engine sounds for a couple electric vehicles. Um, oh. You know, like 
Yeah. So, you know, like one of the problems, um, and actually there's a bunch of legislation around this in, uh, in the UK, and I think there's legislation that's just going to go into effect in the United States too, is that the engines on electric vehicles are so quiet, they need to add a sound yeah. in order to, yeah, for like safety reasons mm. so that pedestrians can hear them coming. Uh, so I went and I talked to some of the people who, uh, who designed those sounds and talked about what their inspiration was, whether or not they felt like they needed a complete clean break with the engine sounds of the past, um, you know, what they were inspired by. Uh, but then also, you know, looking at why, why do engines, as we think of them, you know, the combustion engine, why do they sound the way that they do? And why is there a, an importance placed on that uh, for certain kinds of cars? Huh, that's really interesting. It was that one. Yeah, that one was a lot of fun. Um, I see, you know, other ones like I've, I've done episodes on hold music and how it's designed to sort of like mess with the human sense of time um, and about how, you know, like all digital assistants, um, their voices code as, as female uh, and why that might be. Yeah. And, and is sound a thing that you've, you've always had an interest in or was that something that developed over time? Uh, yeah, that is what what my background is in. Um, I uh, yeah. I studied at college um, music composition and computer science. Um, you know, one of my longest running jobs uh, as a freelancer in New York City was writing music. Uh, so yeah, that is a that is a thing that I actually know. Wonderful. Uh, time for a silly question. What's your favorite movie that you're embarrassed to enjoy? That's just it's a terrible film that you you don't really like to admit that you love. Oh, wow. I mean, I'm, uh, this is complicated because I don't know that I really condone the idea of the guilty pleasure. Mm. So I'm proud of all of the bad things that I really <laughs> like. Uh, but I will say, I think one of my favorite movies of all time is The Three Amigos. Yeah, it's live action. It's um, it's uh, Steve Martin, Martin Short, and oh, Chevy Chase. Oh, goodness. Yeah, sorry. Uh, and, I forgot and, this film existed. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, there's a reason for that. Um, and they are they are like the reluctant liberators of a Mexican town that mistakes, um, you know, they're, they're sort of like uh, um, uh, sensitive movie stars uh, who play rough and tumble cowboys. Um, and the people from this town mistake their movies for truth, invite them to come and liberate them from a group of bandits. Uh, they misunderstand the whole arrangement and think they are putting on a show. And then they, they have to reckon with uh, their responsibility as uh, humans and men uh, to, to liberate this. Yeah. There's a lot of weird politics going on, but uh, yeah, I think maybe it just hit me at the right point when I was a kid and I, I, can feel nothing but unabashed positive feelings about it. I, I think there's nothing wrong with that. I think I, I I totally agree with you in the sentiment of you shouldn't be embarrassed of the things you love. Like I still unironically love Power Rangers the movie Turbo, uh, the second <laughs> mm -hmm, Power Rangers mm -hmm. movie. I it, it's it's one of those things that just hit me at the right age where it's like that that terrible film will forever be in my heart. Yeah, it's funny what sorts of things stick around. You know, they become like comfort blankets in some way. It's just like something you're just very, very familiar with. Exactly. Something that doesn't require too much thought or anything. Yeah, I think that's yeah. also the other. I think I've maybe seen this is maybe this is what I should be embarrassed about. I think I have seen The Three Amigos at least 300 times. That is an impressive number of times. I, yeah. I cannot judge you because I have just clocked in my 400th hour of playing the new Pokemon game and that's 300 watches of the three amigos has got to be less than that so you're doing fine <laughs> um, all right okay all right uh, 
of all the creative projects you've ever made, what's the one you're most proud of? Oh, man. Um, I think I have two answers for this. Um, the first is that I am really proud of Reasonably Sound. Um, every time I finish an episode, uh, and they come out so infrequently, it's like a quarterly release podcast at this point, mm. um, I listen back to it, and I am legitimately sort of excited to release it and excited to put it into the world, um, which is like a thing that, I don't know, like I, I don't feel that with every single thing that I make, um, but it's nice that it reliably happens with that show. I think maybe that, that feeling um, and the work that goes into producing it is part of why it takes so long to produce. Mm. So, you know, that might not be um, an unmitigated positive, especially if, you know, you're a member of its audience and you would like me to produce more of it. Um, the, I think the other answer is that is that um, a lot of the work that I did when I first moved to New York and was making, like I mentioned, that weird performance art about the internet um, is stuff that not a lot of people saw, but I think was a way for uh, me and some of my friends to work out our ideas about sort of what art is and what forming what forming a community around art is and, you know, how to make things that reflect a, a cultural, social, and technological moment. And um, looking back at, at all of the work we put into that stuff to just have 30 or 40 people come and see it, um, but then, you know, seeing sort of the, the ripples of it in later things that both I made and my friends have made, uh, I don't know. Yeah, like it's... It, I can identify it now as very formative, and uh, yeah, I like, I like I'm very proud of... of uh, how much effort we put into it. Are there any particular of those old formative projects that, that jump to mind as ones that you go, this specifically has seeds in what, in what you've done in the future? Yeah, there are, there are two. Um, there was one that we made that's called, that was called pressure. Uh, that was, uh, about, um, nominally it was about the, um, disagreement that existed in ancient times about whether or not a vacuum could exist, um, whether or not you could have a space uh, that air did not rush in to fill, uh, or that there were no particles at all, period. Um, and the argument was between people who said, well, scientifically, if you, you know, look, look at the operation of the world as we understand it, this should be possible. And then other people who said, actually, that's not possible because God exists everywhere. So if you're saying that there are spaces where there can be nothing, then you're saying that there are spaces where there isn't God and that's heresy. Um, what it was actually about in a weird sort of metaphorical kind of way, uh, which was, you know, a, a big political discussion at the time was um, the war in Iraq um, and, you know, a sort of like extended metaphor slash joke about a war over nothing. Um, the idea that like, you know, we went to Iraq for uh, weapons of mass destruction that ended up not actually being there. Um, uh, and that was staged like a lecture. Uh, so that was someone who was sitting at a podium um, performing a keynote or standing at a podium, performing a keynote presentation, talking very quickly um, and sort of like relaying all of these anecdotes with this, this like layer of meaning, uh, several layers of meaning um, with lots of, uh, lots of supporting visual material culled from the internet. Uh, so there were, you know, 2007 era YouTube jokes that were made. Um, and then the other one was a, a show that we did with um, two vocalists, uh, 
also staged as a lecture that was about Hannah Montana um, and about the creation of identity through the proliferation of images, uh, which, you know, in this would have been like 2008, 2009, was a big topic of conversation around both fame, but also uh, Facebook and sort of like making mm. yourself, making yourself in a digital space uh, through sets of images. So they're like kind of old ideas now, um, but they were, they were formative and like, you know, meaty for us to, to dig into in a performance art context. Uh, you know, this would hmm. have been 10, 10 or 12 years ago. I, I can imagine so. The, the, those at the time would have been pretty big things to take on. Um, taking a slightly sillier tone for a minute, would you rather be able to talk to animals or people of all languages? Oh, definitely animals. What def does anybody say all languages? I mean, I don't know how many people you've asked this. Well, um, this, this is not what I've asked before, but like, I, I've seen this question posed before, and I'm surprised how many people do jump to languages. Man, uh, yeah, I want to know what my dog is thinking all the time. And also and also squirrels and also, yeah, I mean, there's no, it's like, uh, I think the other reason I would go immediately to animals is that um, the embodied experience of being an animal must be so different from being a human that being able to talk to them would probably open up so many new layers of knowledge like, I feel like it would probably challenge what we think of as knowledge uh, to be able to actually talk to something that does not exist in a human body. That's a really interesting answer, because I, I could totally see that. But just as equally, I could see you decide to talk to animals and all you get is the same six thoughts about hungry, excited, <laughs> just like single word thoughts. And that's all you get. As opposed just to, all, yeah. I suppose if you could speak every language and understand every language that, you know, might break down barriers to understanding world knowledge and, you know, things that just don't translate into your existence. But I like, I like the optimism of your view. <laughs> I like the optimism that the dog just going, food please, is, yeah. is going to be some enlightening experience. <laughs> Uh, it's like that that Far Side cartoon. Um, man, I can't believe I'm referencing a Far Side cartoon uh, <laughs> where it's like you know if if dogs could speak and the only thing they say is hey hey hey, uh, they're just shouting hey at everybody all the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, in terms of stuff you've made before, we've we've talked a minute ago about um, things that are formative, things you're proud of. Are there any projects of yours that are still out on the internet that if you could, you would go back and redo that you are maybe not so happy with in hindsight? I, th I think no, my gut answer is no. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to put a lot of effort into figuring out <laughs> something that I could potentially want to do again. There are things that I wish had gone differently mm. um, and things that kind of like, uh, hang over my head, let's say. Um, but like, I don't know. I don't know that I would, I don't know. There's one thing that comes to mind is that, so um, some of my friends and I who made some of this performance art about the internet way back in the day, one of the shows that uh, got us, uh, got some of us a job on uh, Know Your Meme was called Meme Factory. Um, and the three of us uh, who made this show wrote a book. Um, and through a series of, uh, 
let's call them both um, mistakes and unavoidable, unknowable circumstances. Mm. Um, that book has gone unpublished uh, since its Kickstarter was successfully funded in, I think it was 2005. So, like, that book exists. It is written, but, you know, the people who paid for it aren't don't have the physical book item that they paid for. Um, and we have lost our publisher because they went out of business. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, like, that is something that, like, I wish that had gone differently. But, like, I don't know that I would, if I could do it again, like, would I, would I change it? No, pr probably not. Uh, that, that's, does that, yeah. Do, yeah, yeah. Does, does that answer your no, question? That, that, yeah, that totally like... answers my question. I, I think that's a really interesting, it's a really interesting insight. Um, so, I find this is always a fun, silly question to ask people. What is the one fashion choice you can think of from your life that you look back and cringe on a little? Oh, man. I used to be, um, uh, there was a, a, a brief amount of time um, between my, uh, my love and deep investment uh, in punk rock hmm. and my current and still ongoing um, uh, identification as a dad goth <laughs> um, that I was a raver. Okay, are we? Are we? To, what, what kind of raver are we talking? Are we talking neons or? Oh man, full on like whole arm full of jelly bracelets, very baggy, uh, <laughs> bright bright pink pants. Um, yeah, like the whole nine yards. Oh, that's that's a wonderful mental image. <laughs> I don't know if there are any photos of these fashion choices that I made in existence. Um, but if I can find one, I will send them to you, and you can include them in the show notes. It was it was bad. It was bad. <laughs> um, as someone who has been on both of the the uh, the the punk and goth spectrums, and has also in around now done the raver thing there are pictures of me that exist with those jelly uh, armbands and whatnot those pictures for me definitely do exist <laughs> and i see um it's just now starting to like you know parts of that fashion are starting to reemerge and i actually see um you know young men uh, who are a, a little bit younger than me walking around the neighborhood in th things that i identify as you know like stuff i would have worn and i want to pull them aside and i want to be like you can't don't stop you gotta you gotta stop you can't you but you know you can't do that and that just makes me like that just makes me like my parents yeah who saw me yeah who saw me and they were like you know bell bottoms went out of style for a reason right that's the thing if you try and tell someone like no that this is not a good look they're just gonna lean into it harder you just have to let fashion be what it's gonna be yep uh so you do a lot of creative projects what is your creative space like? Um, I mean, I'm currently in it. Um, it's just, it's an office in our apartment. Uh, it's like a middle room. Um, I stand at a standing desk um, and there is another smaller desk behind me that I put my synthesizer on. It's like very uninteresting. Um, very, I don't very, have... Very minimal, is it? Just just the, the bare yeah. essentials to, to do the work? I mean, my desk is covered in stuff. Like, you know, I have uh, two... So I do a lot of audio work, and I do a lot of audio mixing and editing. Uh, so my desk is covered in audio gear. I have two big uh, two big monitors. I have a digital mixer and, like, you know, some rack gear that's hanging out. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, like, you know, they're bare white walls, and it's just a, ro it's just a room in our apartment. 
Um, I do sometimes work out of a, a recording studio that's in Greenpoint that is like has the very cool old warehouse loft aesthetic, but it would be inaccurate for me to claim that as my workspace. It's just a space I work out of sometimes. I'm also const I'm also constantly surrounded by like there are small um like cairn style stacks of books just all around my apartment so that's probably the other thing that like defines my workspace is that on the coffee table and the kitchen table and on both sides of my desk and on this small set of drawers underneath my desk and on my secondary synthesizer desk there's like stat like stacks of four or five books just hanging out all of which kind of like define one ongoing project um some of them do i'm not trying to paint myself as like an intellectual that's always going through books some of them remain untouched for months so i just want to be clear about that too <laughs> it's totally fair um right so i've got a silly question for you and this is this is one that when, when i suggested doing this chat you you insisted had to be brought up let's talk <laughs> let's talk about butts what's your let's talk about butts. what's your favorite butt what's your favorite I, butt in media g give me oh. a good butt <laughs> I mean, I, like, I kind of almost feel like I have to say Snake from Metal Gear Solid. Yeah, Snake is a, is a good logical choice. Yeah, I mean, you're the one. I mean, I feel like I'm going to defer to your, your expertise on this matter. Like, how I feel I'm embarrassed because I feel like Snake is an obvious choice. I'm also a big fan of um, uh, what was it that uh, there was recently some scuttlebutt lol. Uh, <laughs> regarding a vestigial bone in the body of a mario character it's not the goombas is it the koopa troopers have like uh in their ex in their skeleton in their animation skeleton uh there actually is like a little tail but they don't actually have it on the outside of their body yeah but i feel like i feel like snake is is maybe too obvious a choice snake. and that i should have no, i should no, have come up with something more it's it's totally a it's a valid answer it's it's an obvious answer for a reason his uh straps around his butt cheeks definitely do a lot to pull them in in a <laughs> somewhat inhuman manner mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. i uh, i'm trying to think i'm trying to think my my favorite button video games is a consistently shifting goalpost um I've always been a fan of the mechanic, Ellie, in Borderlands 2, who is a plus-size woman who has very little detailing on her outfit other than a single flower decal on her butt, on her big overalls. Mm. And I really like this as a bit of game design because it's it's a way of drawing attention that goes like, no, she's not ashamed of her size. She is proud of it. She's trying to draw attention to her appearance and it's just this really nice little game design thing that draws your eyes and goes no she's she's proud of her size this is a body positive very big butt see that is a nuanced butt take and that is why you are the professional in this area <laughs> that is it's great yeah uh uh you talked previously about your interest in uh audio what albums or artists are you currently listening to and enjoying um, so I'm listening to a lot of, uh, Holly Herndon's new record, which is called Proto. Um, uh, Holly worked with, uh, her, um, I believe they're married, her husband, her partner, um, Matt Dryhurst, uh, to develop, uh, an AI that they trained on many hours of, uh, like singing material, um, and then worked with that AI, which they named Spawn, uh, to produce this record and man, it's so good. 
Uh, I've also been listening to um, the new dual set of uh, Tim Hecker records, um, which are called uh, Kanoyo and Anoyo, uh, that he he formed an ensemble of, of like uh, musicians that play traditional Japanese instruments, um, recorded them and sort of processed the output and, you know, plays that output back along with the live instruments. And it's just, it's very dramatic. It's very, it's very dense. And, um, I don't know, it's, uh, you get into like these mealy mouthed poetic words really quickly when you're describing new music. It's just really nice. I like it a lot. Uh, and the other thing that I've been listening to a lot is, um, oh, there's a new uh, Zen Mother record, uh, which I actually don't know them that well, but I know the individual band members uh, from other projects. And it's kind of this half metal, half not metal, uh, like instrumental. I don't know. It's good driving music. Wonderful. Uh, uh, and last question we're going to do for today. Just a nice, nice, silly, lighthearted one to end on. Do you have any weird special talents? Hmm. So I can do this with my mouth. Oh, hold on. Of course, it's not going to work now that I have to do it on command. Uh, can make a droplet sound, yeah, that, which I guess is a weird. Yeah, no, that, that's a weird, that, that is, a weird special talent. That is that is an impressive thing that your body can do. Yes, um, I can also do. Uh, there's like, yeah, I guess these are like stupid human tricks. Um, it's um, if you make a make a, like give a thumbs up with your left hand. Uh, and then, um, with, and then with, I'm going to do this in such a way that like, I can see myself doing it and still talking to the microphone. Um, yeah. Give a thumbs up with your left hand and then without sticking your thumb up, point to your thumb with your right hand, like so, and then just switch them so that you are giving a thumbs up with your right hand and you're pointing at that thumb with your oh, left hand. That is, and it's, that is deceptively difficult. Right? So I can do that very quickly. Well, wonderful. Uh, thank you very much for sharing that. Uh, <laughs> for anyone who's listening and wants to enjoy more of the things that you make, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Mike Rugnetta. Uh, you can find Reasonably Sound at reasonablysound.com and at most places that you listen to podcasts. And you can also get a sort of like ongoing stream of things that I'm working on and especially things that I'm writing on drip at d.rip forward slash Mike Rugnetta. Wonderful. Thank you very much. We will have another special guest next time. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for having me. <laughs>